Welcome back to Nature's Wonders. Today, we are interviewing Ben from Worcester Terrariums. We will be talking about all things terrarium-related. This podcast is sponsored by Corals Anonymous, Aquachar, and Willow's Reef. Sit back and enjoy the show. Thank you. How are you doing, Ben? I'm very good, thank you. Happy to be here. Thank you for coming on today. This is a real pleasure. So I just checking out your page. And I was so interested. It looks, you just have an incredible page on Instagram at Worcester, Worcester, <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, tell me a little bit about yourself and what your business is and what you do there. So I'm Ben. Um, my business is based around bottle gardens. Um, so I kind of started making them around five years ago. Um, and I found that there wasn't a wealth of information online. So um, I kind of just went in and, you know, through a lot of trial and error, got to a stage where they started to become pretty good. And just over a year ago, I um, started my business, Worcester Terrariums, which is actually a side business. I do it alongside a full-time job. So I, I am quite busy, but it's... Um, it's a really great creative outlet and during the lockdown period it seems to become very popular online especially Instagram um so yeah and uh, it's things are looking pretty good for the future that's cool um so what exactly is a bottle garden or a terrarium as I know a lot of people know them as so what, what would you describe it as so I would describe it in simple terms as a glass container that houses plants um, within that container, the humidity is raised, so it enables us to grow a wider range of plants than, say, if you were growing house plants or something. Okay, so do you seal the containers, or is it left open? So that's a good question, because um, I am a fan of sealing them, but also opening them periodically to let air in because I believe airflow is a key aspect to terrarium plant health. Now the reasoning behind this is because many of the plants that are used in terrariums grow in tropical countries where the humidity is upwards of 70 or 80 percent. Now the terrarium provides that humidity but what these plants also have access to is a lot of well an infinite amount of air and the terrarium doesn't provide that so I think by opening the lid once a day, once every two days for five or ten minutes is a way to kind of balance that out. Um, sometimes if the, if the opening is small, um, I just leave it, leave it off because that doesn't affect the humidity levels inside and also allows a decent amount of airflow. <laughs> Do you have to miss the terrariums to keep them humid or is it all self-sustaining and just um, evaporation and condensation? Yeah, so they do need misting. That depends on how often. So because, like I said before, because I open the terrariums, it does mean they need misting more frequently. It also depends what plants are in there. Now, if you have things like um, Lycobrium moss or any types of moss, um, they may need more frequent misting. However, I, I prefer to look at each terrarium as a as its own individual, as opposed to giving a blanket term 
across say all terrariums need misting or they don't so it's good good to look at each terrarium as an individual so speaking of plants what are some kind of plants that you use in each terrarium are you using epiphytes or mosses ferns yes are there certain types that you stay away from and in certain types that you go towards so i would say i all those you just listed mosses ferns and epiphytes are i use a lot um I, I try and steer clear from anything with um, large foliage just because it can upset the balance if you're, you know, trying to create um, an aesthetically pleasing uh, terrarium, it, you know, it could upset the balance. So I try to pick things which are small leaved, slow growing is a plus, but that's not always possible. Um, and yeah, that's, that's okay. A, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. So can you describe how a beginner or someone who's just interested in this, how they would start making one and what are the different steps in building a terrarium? I would say my, if I was to give a piece of advice to a beginner, it would be to keep things simple. Um, you know, maybe to start off with a fern in a bottle or a fish bowl or something. Um, and I would, I would find just a basic, um, guide online um starting off with the container obviously it needs to be a clear glass container um adding a drainage layer and the substrate i think the substrate's an important thing to get right i would steer clear from using um compost or anything like that i would be inclined to use a coir based compost a coir based substrate sorry or a loam based substrate do you want a nutrient-rich substrate, or is it more of a non-nutrient-rich? So that that's a good question because it's there's a bit of a balancing act here because if the if if you have a nutrient-rich substrate, then the plants are going to grow faster and bigger. Um, and if you have a nutrient-devoid substrate, which coir actually is, but I'll touch on that in a second, um, then the plants will grow and be unhealthy. So I think. Um, it's important. So what I like to do is I use coir with vermicast, which is um, worm castings, um, because eventually plants do need sustenance and I'm reluctant to use chemicals within a glass container. So I mm-hmm. find the best way to do that is to use something like vermicast, which is a natural fertilizer. You can mix that in with the coir or you can top dress with it. Is the coir, is that a... Uh non-nutrient rich substrate like a bark yeah so what it is it's um it's a byproduct of the coconut trade they use coconut husks and i okay yeah and it it creates a really nice medium which is airy and um so i have a detailed substrate overview on my instagram um i like to use coir with vermicast um small grain lava rock and sphagnum moss and I mix those together, that's kind of a good general substrate. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you said you were talking about a drainage label, a drainage layer before mm-hmm. the substrate level. Mm-hmm. What is that for, and what is that? So that's also known as a false bottom. Um, so what it is, it's a layer underneath the substrate, which allows excess water to flow through. Now, as I've got further down my terrarium building career I've started to emit this layer because I believe that 
correct watering techniques almost um, discard the need for a drainage layer um, because I th- yeah water shouldn't really be running off into that layer however it's almost like an insurance policy you know if a beginner were to accidentally over water then you've got you know a little bit of insurance there however correct watering is the most important thing is it just is it just a rocky substrate that the water can pool up so you don't get like a mold buildup? Yeah, so it can be it can be pebbles, it can be uh, charcoal or lava rock I've used in the past. Um, it's just something, yeah, rocky to separate that uh, substrate from the rocks. But you can also add a layer of mesh in between the two to stop the substrate falling into the drainage layer because over time that will happen. Interesting. So I know these are small containers, so for some of them it might be hard, but do you have any little biodiversity in your terrariums, like springtails or other small organisms to take out the waste? Yeah, so I, I, I'm i reluctant to add them to every single one because initially once the, ter- once the terrarium is planted, everything is fresh, there's, very, there's nothing to feed on. Whereas um, if you're creating a larger terrarium, you know, you can, you can, um, you can feed them because, you know, there's space to add food. Whereas in some of the smaller ones I make, it's just not really possible to do that. However, as plants grow um, and as moss grows, they naturally shed off older leaves and foliage. So the springtails can actually feed on stuff like that. I've noticed that um around a year ago i started adding them to every single terrarium i was making now i kind of noticed the population would disappear and i thought oh okay you know i've done something wrong here i shouldn't have added them however as the terrarium aged um i noticed that you know leaves were dying and stuff like that and then i noticed the springtail population almost boom back which is really interesting but i don't add them to every single one i only add them to ones where I know they will get enough food. So the larger and older terrariums? Yeah, generally speaking, yes. So what's the largest terrarium that you've ever made? Because you're talking about glass bottles, but I feel like I feel like you've done some crazy terrariums. <laughs> so I have one um, which is a very large, I think it's called a demijohn. It's just, it's a huge, no, it's a carboy. And it's it's absolutely giant. It, it's it, You can barely pick it up because it's so big. Um, and I filled that with various ferns and a few different ficus varieties. Um, so that's the biggest one I've done. Um, what I, about the smallest? Uh, the smallest um, is a, it's a tiny, I'm not even sure what you'd call it. It's a tiny little jar. Um, the, the actual ball of the jar is probably the size of my index fingernail um, and I use a couple of individual pieces of lacobrium moss in there. Wow that's crazy. Yeah. So this is a, sp- a specific question but in my experience with terrariums it goes good for a while mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden the moss starts to die specifically mm-hmm. moss and it molds and yeah, it just does not, the moss does not do good. Yeah. And I've always had trouble with growing moss. So what are your techniques? Do you think it is airflow and watering technique mostly? Um, so that's a good, I think it depends what type of moss you're using. Um, 
I, I'm a big fan of Lycobrium glaucum, um, which is common name is bone moss or pincushion moss. Um, and it, I think it's important to note that that particular type of moss, it grows, you know, widely across the northern hemisphere. And it's while it grows in damp conditions, it also has a lot of air. So um, I imagine a lot of these terrariums, which I think you're absolutely right, they do hit a certain stage and then all of a sudden things go wrong. Um, but I, I really am of the belief that airflow is key to terrarium health. So keeping something shut up in a glass container, it's just not going to be happy in the long term, unless that container is very, very large. Um, but I, I've had little success with completely sealed terrariums. I know other people have, but from a personal perspective, I haven't. Okay, that'll be something to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, do you collect your moss just outside in a forest, or do you have like growers that you buy from so that you get the moss you want? So I think this is an important um, topic because um, while people can go and collect moss, I'm kind of against it because... Moss is such a slow-growing plant that it takes a very long time for it to grow. And you, unless I could be absolutely sure that what I was taking would be in better care in my hands, which 99.9% of the time it wouldn't be because, Nate, you know, it's growing where it's happy, um, yeah. but I would be inclined to leave it. Um, so I, I do get my moss from actually local florists um, and... Yeah, I know exactly what I'm getting that way. Um, I think it's also important to note that if you're collecting moss, it's probably important to have permission from the landowner. Um, in the unlikely event that you'd be caught, it's, you know, it's probably not. The, it's probably good to have permission. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, what's your favorite type of moss? You said um, what was the moss you said? Uh, Lycobrium glaucum. Um, it's also known as bun moss or pillow moss or pincushion moss. I just find it's tolerant of a wide range of conditions. Um, it's not immune to browning and dying, but in my experience, it doesn't happen that often. Um, it's quite cost-effective to buy. So uh, for me, it's around 10 to 15 pounds a tray, which is probably 20 to 25 US dollars. Um, and I, think, I know a lot of people have trouble getting that. A, a lot of my following on social media are from... Um, tropical parts of the world where they can't get hold of this particular type of moss Um, and I'm not to be honest sure of any substitutes because I almost almost exclusively use this moss. Um, I posted the other day asking if anyone had any recommendations for other types of moss Um, but Lycobium glaucum for me is my is my favorite. What about a um, a bigger plant like a What's your favorite type of plant that you put in each terrarium? <laughs> That's a good question. I, I, I'd, that changes a lot. At the moment, I'm a big fan of uh, Nephrolepis ferns, especially the smaller ones. Um, but I'm also a huge fan of uh, the small ficus varieties, and there are some stunning peperomias, which, you know, actually the peperomia prostrata, which is quite a common house plant, does really well in a terrarium. But, um, it's, it almost grows, I don't want to call it an epiphyte. It is an epiphyte in nature, but uh, I tend to just place it on top of moss in the terrarium, and it just does so well in that human environment. 
That's good. So while I was searching your page and I saw that you had a website at the top, do mm-hmm. you have a business connected with your terrariums? Yeah. So um, as I mentioned before, it's a side business, which I run alongside a full-time job. Um, and at the moment, I'm kind of operating on a commission basis um, rather than you know stocking lots of different terrariums. I encourage people to sort of look on my social pages um you know message me what they what they would like and then we sort of go from there um i think in the longer term i would like to um expand that business um but it's finding that balance between um my day job which pays the rent and the terrarium business which is you know it it's it's so much fun to do but i need to get it to a level where you know it can pay bills and rent mm-hmm. so i also saw that you're start you're going to start sometime within the next year or i don't know what the time frame was but it was going to be they get the materials and then they also get a video along with the materials yeah so what, what was that so there's i've got a course coming out with 101 who are, they're a Korean company, um, and they basically uh, they connect with artists around the world and then they create videos where which you can buy online. Um, so I'm in the process of creating a course with them. Um, and I think it's something, it's an avenue I would absolutely like to explore more in the future, because I think terrarium building is one of those horticultural niches which hasn't really been filled yet it's still almost, I don't want to say in its infancy because they've been around for a very long time, but something like Bonsai, which has got a huge following and it has some stalwart um, artists. Um, I I feel terrariums are a little or quite a way behind that art form. Yeah. Do you do Bonsais too? Just wondering. Yes. Uh, So I started with bonsai before I got into terrarium building, and I actually feel that's where I learned a lot of my horticultural trade. Um, I worked in gardens and um, I did landscaping for a while, but when I started studying bonsai is when I really started to connect those um, horticultural synapses in my head, um, and that's where I, I deeply got interested in it. Um, and I think a lot of the techniques I use now come from that knowledge from bonsai that's really cool so thank you so much for coming on the show today i had a lot of fun and i learned a lot about the terrariums and everything about terrariums really mm. and i will link all your socials in the description below mm-hmm. but thank you so much for coming on it was a pleasure that's okay thank you for having me it was a pleasure talking to you too